it's Leah with the Modern Sage podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. You know, I was thinking this morning, well, actually, every time I record the podcast, I was thinking this morning in particular of how tight I've been feeling and telling the story. I've enjoyed very much um, going over my notes and kind of thinking through the timeline and sharing the bits and parts that I feel like are interesting and relevant. But I noticed the restriction that starts happening inside my body. So today, I'm going to try to relax a little bit. There's no notes today. Before I get started, I want to remind you to please follow me on social media at Leah the Modern Sage. And if you're interested in my workshops and events and courses or books or anything of the sort, then visit my website, leahguy.com. New subscribers get a free audio, an 18-minute audio on overcoming toxic emotions. So take advantage of that. And share the podcast with your friends or leave a review or um, somehow if you can support us in that way, that would be super helpful. All right. So today I want to tell you about my neighbors. Their names are Zen Cat and John, not just because they were my neighbors and not just because they were very colorful neighbors, because I've also written them into my screenplay, Zen Cat in particular. This woman has left a permanent mark on my mind, on my spirit. And although it was a very challenging and awkward and uncomfortable situation, there was some kind of relationship formed between her and I that we just saw each other. And for that, I'm very appreciative. I also want to say in no way making light of their serious issues. And I know that they that their issues were not entirely their fault or their doing. Of course, we all have control over our behavior and the choices that we make. But on top of the choices that they were making, I believe that there was severe mental health issues. Now, just to give you a, a little bit more of a visual, my house sits on a side road off of a main road. But even a lot of locals that have lived there their entire lives in this town don't even know about this road. Some people use this road to walk up the hill and go to uh, hiking paths up to Goat Hill Overlook, but a lot of people don't even know where, where it is. So it's not really that far removed, but it's, it's removed. It's on the edge of town and it's, um, like I said, surrounded by woods and there's only three or four people on the entire road. When you turn off the main road, you immediately see the wooded area and then you come up the road and there's a cottage up on the hill that is small and the only access to it are these wooden steps from the roadway. So it's quite a trek. Then you come to the next house, which is Zincat and John's. And then the next house, which is mine. Now I mentioned the cottage because ever since I've lived there, there has never been anyone in the cottage. It's pretty much abandoned. So the steps are dilapidated. Um, I have no idea what goes on inside that cottage, but I know that Zencat spent time there and I have no doubt that this energy of my house has been residing over there as well. It's a cute little cottage. It's kind of unfortunate um, that whoever bought it just never used it. So essentially you have Zencat and John's house and my house. And these houses are mm, 20 to 30 feet apart, not that far. They're up kind of built into the hillside. 
And the hillside, as I mentioned, is bedrock. And so it's a really beautiful environment there. And when I first went to look at the house, I noticed, of course, uh, the house next door and it was run down, you know, and there was a lot of stuff on the porch and trash everywhere and an old car and just that kind of vibe. I really thought, well, maybe some old hippies live here or elder, elderly people that can't keep up with their place, but it wasn't offensive. It was just noticeable. And then past my house, there's nothing but woods as you go up the road until you turn the corner and then tucked into the hillside back over in the left are two other homes and then one way up on the right on another hillside. Behind my property, my property goes straight up the bedrock, up the hill, and there is a road that is not visible from my house, but during the winter time when all the leaves are down, you can see another house on the other side of that road back on the hill. So in essence, my house and Zencat and John's house are fairly isolated from anyone else. Now I had seen the woman Zencat. I'm not even sure what her real name is, but that's the name that she goes by. And I heard from the realtor or from the chiropractor or the few people that I've had any contact with that, that she was a very nice woman, um, maybe did too many drugs back in the sixties was having mental health issues, you know, that it was unfortunate. I remember one day walking outside and I was walking my dog and this man walks down the street. And I have to tell you, I was scared then because of the remote isolation. This man walks down the street with stringy long hair and clothes that were like bed clothes and disheveled in every which direction. And his face was kind of stern and he was just kind of plugging down the road in this intent kind of manner and walking towards me. He reminded me of like Charles Manson. And I remember calling my dad. I was like, I, I just need to be on the phone with someone because I don't feel safe right now. I don't know who this person is. And it turns out he went to that house and he was my neighbor, John. Now, John is a nice person and he had worked at a local restaurant for years. He was not working any longer. So a few weeks after moving in, you know, I wanted to do the neighborly thing and say hi, get to know the neighbors and take them something. And so when John was there on one weekend, we got a little tray of cookies or something together and decided to go over and meet the neighbors. And so we went next door and the overgrowth on the steps, you could barely get to the front door, to be honest. We took the tray, we knocked on the door. It took several minutes. And finally, Zencat appears. And she had this most beautiful, angelic, sweet, innocent face. And her hair looked like a natted, ratty mess. It looked like she hadn't changed her clothes in years. She had on a long smock and some kind of short pants. And she always wore one of her shoes and one of John's shoes, her husband's, if she had on shoes at all. And so she received our gift and then behind her comes John and they were nice and appreciative. And I could tell very surprised and we didn't stay very long and no way did I want to go in. And so we dropped the cookies. We said, hello, we introduced ourselves and we left. 
And John and I, my John and I kept looking at each other going, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And so I kind of decided, you know, maybe, maybe just leave that where it is. Well, if you recall earlier in the story, I had some of the items from my garden stolen and I called the police. One of the several times I'd called the police. And one of the times the policeman came over, he informed me, you know, he said, maybe it was Zencat. And I said, well, what do you mean? Why would she steal something from me? And he said, well, she's kind of out of her mind and it wouldn't be, you know, as a harmful act, but maybe just taking something that she wanted and taking over to house. And I said, well, then why can't we go look for it? This item that she took, the meditating frog was a special item to me and wanted it back if it was just next door. And he said, you know, it's best to just keep your distance and not get involved. And I said, are they dangerous? And he said, only to themselves. The days go by and Zen cat is the one more frequently outside. And she's outside kind of roaming the street. She would talk to me. She remembered my name pretty much every time, ask me questions. And things were uh, manageable for a while. About four to six months, about the in the height of the time I was having these nightmares and these attacks and so forth, Zen Cat became more vocal. I, I believe that maybe she went off her medication that's what she said. And that she was feeling good and she didn't want to be on that medication. She would talk to me outside, almost like an angry best friend, like a best friend that was mad at me. <laughs> she would say, why did, why can't we just be friends? Why can't we go to lunch? I'm so tired. Like, I just want to be your friend. Is that so bad? And I said, no, Zenkat, it's not bad. We can go to lunch. We can be friends. How are you today? And she'd always change the subject. Sometimes Zencat would uh, stand on the porch, on her porch, and she would look at my house and she'd talk to my house and she'd yell at my house. And she'd have a conversation between my house and the sky, asking the sky, why, why, what is going on with this house? Sometimes she would stare at the, at the house and she'd say, I just don't understand. I don't understand. Why was there a porch there? And it's not there anymore. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes she would stand on her porch and scream at my house and throw kind of a fit. Now, John, her husband was more coherent a lot of the times, and he would fill me in when I'd go outside, but he was not very communicative, but he would just, I could tell how much he loved her and how concerned he was. But what you need to know about John is that every morning at 9am, he left the house and he went to get alcohol and he drank the entire day. So over the course of the time, I found out from them that they did not have a kitchen, a working kitchen. They had no refrigerator. They had no stove. They had no oven. I don't know how they stayed alive. Quite frankly, I did not see delivery people very infrequently, maybe a pizza every now and then. Um, one time she and he both rang my doorbell and brought over a box of one of those meal del delivery services. And they brought this box over 
offering it to me and saying, you know, we're not going to eat this. If you'd like this, we'd like to give it to you to be a friendly neighbor. And I was like, that's really sweet. And so I opened the box and there's vegetables and the packaged foods and there, that food was so old. It was disgusting. <laughs> I don't know how long it sat on their porch. I ended up just throwing it all out. So they were clearly really struggling. And there was moments of more clarity with Zencat. Again, maybe it depended on if she was taking her medication or not, but they were both struggling with severe mental health issues. At this point, I really hadn't had the time or energy to consider the impact of what I was dealing with and the energy at my house. And perhaps maybe they were dealing with something similar. I don't know. In addition to the reuse of drugs, the alcohol, the isolation, uh, the aging, I would say they were probably in their late sixties, maybe early seventies, but she had this beautiful, beautiful face. It got to a point where managing Zencat and John was difficult. I have on the first floor an Airbnb and I'm really grateful for that Airbnb because it had helped me through COVID to pay the bills and certainly to pay for the renovation of the house. And so Zencat would often take advantage of my Airbnb guests by captivating them and screaming at them or coming out without hardly any clothes on, on her porch, yelling at my house. And it was very startling. I didn't really know what to do about it. As she became worse, there were more and more cops on my street. Every time I spoke with the police officers, they continued to remind me it's best to stay distant and to not get involved, even though you may want to help. So there were a couple of times that I had to call the police for them, but otherwise I tried to keep my distance and keep my space. So one time when we were outside talking to John, he was outside on his way back from his liquor run, you know, just was casually talking about Zencad. He was asking how the house was and he made reference that Zencat would often just come into my house and sit and be. Now this was before I bought the house. Remember I told you there were no keys to my house, but I do remember the previous owners told me that a couple of times he woke up in the morning and found Zincat downstairs reading. <laughs> and I'm so glad that didn't happen on my watch. Cause I would have absolutely freaked out, but her husband was telling us that, you know, she liked to just wander and roam and she would often go spend time in the cottage up on the hill that was abandoned. She'd often come to my house in between the ownership or when people weren't there you know, she just had this free spirit about her. And I would agree with that. She certainly had a free spirit. It got to the point with Zencat where she was naked and outside and couldn't hardly walk. She was scooting on her bottom down the hill, down the road, and many calls to the police for Zencat to come get help. Sometimes she would wear one of her husband's boots and one of her shoes and a top, but no bottoms. She would just be out wandering and roaming. And it was really, really sad. And just, it was really sad. I could tell Zencat was facing some really dark challenges. There was one day about a year after I'd lived there that I went outside to get in my car to go run some errands. And again, it's still COVID. There's not a lot of interaction. And so I go down to my car and Zencat is there in front of my car, getting the mail out of my mailbox. I'm not sure how often she did this, 
But this particular time I saw her and I, and I said, Hey, Zencat, can I help you with something? And she said, no, I was just getting your mail. And I said, okay, well, can I have the mail? And she kind of held it back to her. And I said, well, you can just leave it in my mailbox. I'll get the mail when I get home. And so I got into my car and she comes up to my window with my mail and she knocks on my window. And so I roll my window down thinking she's going to give me the mail. And she starts giving me a hard time. She starts in on the, why can't we be friends? I just want to go to lunch. I'm so lonely. My husband drinks every day. I don't know what to do. It's so bad. And she starts sharing part of her feelings with me about her situation at her house, about her mental health. She, she tells me that she knows that she's not okay. She's sorry that she struggles so much. She's sorry that she's been difficult neighbor. She tells me how proud she is of me and all the things I've done to the house and how beautiful the house is. And then she starts giving me a hard time again. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we go to lunch? And she's outside in her house robe that doesn't cover all of her body with her husband's slipper on and her boot on and, and her hair hasn't been washed in months or years. And she is so disheveled. And yet there's this most beautiful, clear look in her eyes. And she's telling me all about her life and how she is. And so I sit and I listen to her and we talked for, I don't know, 15 minutes. And finally she gets settled down and she hands me my mail. It was the next day or two that I go to run more errands to get out of the house, have something to do. And I drive down the street and I see Zencat. And now this isn't an unfamiliar sight because as I said, Zencat is often walking the street half robed, naked, stumbling. And so I'm concerned immediately, but I see her at the end of the road. And at the end of the road, before you go onto the main road, there's a patch of grass. She was lying in the patch of grass. And of course, at first I thought, oh my God, I need to call the ambulance. But I drove around to where I could see her and her eyes were open and she was looking up at the sky and she had the most amazing smile on her face. And she was just dancing with her body on the grass, looking up at the sky, having a conversation. And she looked so peaceful and so happy. I actually was envious of her that day. And I said to myself, if she's still here, when I come back, I'm going to lay on that grass with her. Of course, when I came back, she wasn't there. And that was the last time I saw Zencat. There was a morning a few weeks later, I was actually recording a podcast episode with the Indian palm leaf readers in India. And I hear the ambulance out front. But as I was doing my podcast, and I was getting this Indian palm leaf reading, which was phenomenal, by the way, something shifted. And I, I can't even to this day tell you what it was, but something shifted. As I was getting off the call and the podcast, I go out front and I see the ambulance and I see several ambulance and police cars and I knew something was wrong. And so I take my morning walk with my dog and I ask the police who by now are familiar with me being the neighbor, if everything was okay. And they said Zencat had fallen on the stairs in her house and it hit her head and died. And I was so sad. I'm still sad. 
She fell when her husband was out getting alcohol in the morning. So he was not home. And when he came back, he found out that she had died. And these two peas in a pod, these two who were in a mental health crisis, all their own, they had each other and they loved each other. And even through it all, most of it that was unhealthy and chaotic and crazy, their love was apparent. And I knew when John got home that he would um, be devastated. And he was. They ended up having to take him to the hospital where he stayed over a week and he could not grasp the reality of what had happened. Now they have a cat. They leave their doors open. They haven't... I mean, I, I just can't tell you the state of their, their home. I never went in, but I could see when I went up to the door that day and they leave lights on 24 seven, you can tell how so dysfunctional that place is. And so John went away to the hospital and then he returned back and he returned back sober and more present we had a couple of really good conversations with John out front and he was able to share his grief and he was able to share some stories about Zencat and their life together. And apparently she had a trust fund and they'd bought the house with the trust fund. And he told me about what they loved and her personality. And he was so grief stricken and he was also very apologetic for um, the kind of neighbors that they'd been and for the stress and for the hassle. And he said that he felt good being sober, but he didn't know how long he could last, but he was going to try. And whenever I saw him for the next few weeks, I tried to smile and engage conversation with him and just let him know that there was somebody here, but I could tell he was really, really struggling. He went into the hospital again for a week or so and came back out. And then I began noticing the 9 a.m. alcohol runs. And he started drinking so much every day. He was a danger. Even at nine in the morning, he hit my, he hit the railing of my house. He almost sideswiped my car. He ran into his mailbox at his house many times that they propped it up and repositioned it a dozen times or more. I, I really don't know how he stayed alive. But last winter of 2023, I went to Florida for about a month. And when I came back, I saw the car and I knew something was wrong and I didn't see John. And finally I called the police again. And I said, I think we need a well check next door. And they informed me that John had died in the house and it took about a week for the police to find him. So for this past year, there have been no neighbors next door. The police assured me they rescued the cat from the house and that they notified anyone that they could contact. Unfortunately, John's family was the only family living and they were both critically or terminally ill. So the house has been abandoned for the, the remainder of this year, 2023, the cottage has been abandoned. My neighbor's house has been abandoned and my house is the only house that is still alive. I guess what I want to say is the curiosity that's gotten me since I have gone through my experience at that house and dealing with this aggressive soul-sucking energy, whom I've called Edward. It's made me curious if maybe Zencat and John were affected by him as well. 
no doubt they had their personal issues. They had their traumas. They had their wounding. They had their addictions. They had their personal suffering, but dealing with the energies that I was dealing with and how crazy it made me feel. I can imagine that that was a real struggle for Zencat and John. So we will pick it back up next week. I thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. I hope that Zencat and John stay in your heart. I know they have mine. Take care of yourself. And if you are struggling with mental health, with addiction, with anything too overwhelming to process on your own, please reach out to someone like myself or a therapist or a counselor or someone whom you trust. Take good care. 